Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB. He's Brett McGarry. I'm Greg Mackling. And uh, here's uh, something uh, that we got in the old email machine. Donald Trump is president. How the hell did that happen? <laughs> Robert J. Sawyer's best-selling novel gets transformed into trade paperback. I'll read this. A year ago, science fiction writer, futurist Robert J. Sawyer accurately predicted the rise of a far-right psychopath coming from out of nowhere to become the American president, propelled into office by large numbers of people manipulated to vote against their own best interests. Sawyer's predictions have often come true in the past, but none so quickly or with such far-reaching consequences. On February 1st, the paperback uh, was released of his best-selling Quantum Night after its successful run in hardcover, published by Penguin Random House. And they can uh, readers can follow along with Sawyer's characters, an experimental psychologist and an expert on the physics of consciousness as they come to understand how authoritarians manipulate the masses to follow them right to the brink of oblivion. Robert J. Sawyer joins us live on 680 CJOB. Mr. Sawyer, thank you so much for joining us today. And when you were writing Quantum Night... Did you have Donald Trump in mind, or was this just a wild coincidence? It's not a wild coincidence. He was one of the people I had in mind. Uh, the last couple of rounds of Republican potential presidential uh, candidates, this election, the one before four years ago, even eight years ago, we could see a definite skewing, not just to the right. And there's nothing wrong with the right versus the left. You know, there's conservative and liberal governments coming in out of power here and in the States. There's nothing wrong with that. But skewing to the far right uh, more and more. And you could see from eight years ago to four years ago to the most recent election, more and more towards the right, to the point where they weren't able to find candidates who actually had legitimate political experience. So they were getting, you know, the CEO of a pizza chain to be a, a, a potential nominee, as you may recall, a brain surgeon to be a potential nominee, as you may recall. So the idea that an outlier, a game show host uh, and real estate developer might make it to 1600 Pennsylvania was certainly at the back of my mind that he might be the guy. And I wish I'd used his name in the book, you know, a year ago, because I did have um, Canada's prime minister in the book become Nahid Nenshi, who is the current mayor of Calgary. Uh, he's a great mayor, but also there's a path by which he could ascend to be our prime minister. And that would mean we would have a practicing Muslim prime minister and somebody like uh, Trump would literally lose his grip if that were to happen. Well, well, we'll keep an eye on how the relationship between Canada and the United States proceeds, but I find it fascinating, uh, Robert, that one of the uh, experts that you use in the research for this book is Bob Altemeyer. Maybe tell our listeners who Bob Altemeyer is. Sure, and in fact, the key point here beyond that is that most of the book is set in Winnipeg. Uh, I spent an enormous amount of time there while I was writing the book, and the, my main character is like Bob Altemeyer was. He's now Professor Emeritus, retired, but Bob Altemeyer Meyer was a professor of experimental psychology at the University of Manitoba, where world-leading research done by Altemeyer won the top prize in the, uh, in the um, social sciences field, uh, the equivalent of the Nobel Prize in that field. There isn't a social sciences Nobel. He won uh, for his research that showed that 
authoritarian leaders, whether you go back to Mussolini or Hitler or through the present day, authoritarian leaders have a particular knack for whipping up the support of fairly non-critical thinkers. Critical thinkers always stand in opposition. They say, wait a minute, what about this? Hold on, I checked that fact myself. Non-critical thinkers respond to sloganeering. They respond to uh, nationalist sentiment. And there's no doubt that this was Donald Trump's playbook. And what's interesting is one of the most influential Republicans of the last several decades was John Dean, who uh, wrote, uh, who was uh, Richard Nixon's White House counsel, lawyer. And he did a extensive coverage of Altemeyer's work in his book, Conservatives Without Conscience. He got very concerned about how his own party, the right, the Republicans in the states, was drifting away from having any moral authority. And he cited Altemeyer's research there. And I thought it was absolutely fascinating. So uh, Bob Altemeyer, The Authoritarians, is his nonfiction book. I know I'm here to plug my fiction. His nonfiction book and Best of all, the PDF of his book is free if you just Google his name, Bob Altemeyer, and Authoritarian since the first hit. Here's a quote from Bob Altemeyer in 1998 I was able to find. Wannabe tyrants in a democracy are just comical figures on soapboxes when they have no following. So the real threat lay coiled in parts of the population itself. It was thought ready someday to catapult the next Hitler to power with their votes. Yes, absolutely. And we look back, you know, at all the clips that have surfaced uh, of Trump you know, hosting The Apprentice and all the outrageous things he'd done to date. I mean, he seemed comical. He seemed not a threat. And then lo and behold, boom, suddenly he's the most powerful man by some measures in the universe. You mentioned that non-critical thinkers respond well to sloganeering. So is that why in these campaigns we tend to have things like Make America Great Again, or I think back to Barack Obama and his run touting, yes, we can. Yes, we can, or even more simple than that, just the word hope. Remember that? Hope was also in his first campaign. Uh, absolutely. It does work on both sides. Uh, yes, we can. Yes, we can what? Can we put a man on the moon? No, we can't anymore. Last time we did it was 1972. Uh, hope? Hope for what? Everybody wants to be hopeful and indeed make America great again. But that one has a subtext, and the subtext is it isn't right now. And that's kind of a pernicious subtext to say, you know, we used to be kind of great. We used to be kind of white. We used to be kind of male dominated. We used to, women used to know their place. Remember when America was great in that mythical 1950s of Leave it to Beaver? Maybe we could get that back. And sloganeering is, is the ultimate form of advertising where you find the fewest number of words to uh, uh, encapsulate the most possible interpretations that will drift towards making your sale, which in this case is getting the vote. Robert J. Sawyer is a member of the Order of Canada, best-selling author of Flash Forward, which was adapted as an ABC series. You may remember that. He's one of only eight people in history and the only Canadian to win all three of the world's top awards for best science fiction novel novel, pardon me, of the year, the Hugo, the Nebula, and the John W. Campbell Memorial Award. He is our guest this afternoon, and we're talking about your latest book, and you mentioned the fact that a lot of this uh, takes place in Manitoba here in Winnipeg. Why don't you give us the highlights of this story and, and why people, and tie it back to the, the present-day situation that uh, we could consider you predicted. 
Absolutely. The novel starts out with a professor of experimental psychology at the University of Manitoba, good Ukrainian name, James Marchuk, uh, who is becomes aware that he himself, who had been an undergrad at that same institution a couple of decades previously, had lost his memories of six months of his past from 20 years previously, while he himself had been a subject to a psychology experiment being conducted uh, perhaps with not the best ethical guidelines in place at the university. And it really was kind of the Wild West uh, a few decades ago in experiments on students. We now have informed consent, of course, which means I have to tell you what it is that I'm investigating and what the, uh, you know, what might be uncovered um, with, if I do that investigation. Uh, and that kind of, you know, makes it impossible to do a lot of psychological studies today. For since I can't say to you, I'm going to study uh, childhood abuse without telling you that, you know, and I'm going to uncover uncomfortable memories if you had any, right? Uh, So it's about the psychologist, and he discovers he's missing a big hunk of his past and starts to realize that he still functioned, even though he wasn't not only not thinking critically, but apparently not thinking at all at any high level. He was essentially going through the motions of life and being swayed by the crowd to either be good or be not so good at that time. And he starts to extrapolate from that the reality that maybe much of the world's population is really like that, never engaged intellectually with what's going on and going through the motions and therefore susceptible to easily being swayed by those who might have psychopathic or evil agendas. When we come back, we'll take a pause. We'll update the weather forecast. And I want to ask you about consulting with NASA. You've spoken at Google's headquarters, Robert. And also uh, artificial intelligence. It's something you and I have discussed in the past. And and uh, are we moving closer to that as we continue this afternoon? Our visit with uh, Outstanding, one of the best science fiction writers on the planet. He's Canadian Robert J. Sawyer, gracing us with his presence this afternoon on Mackling and McGarry. Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling on 680 CJOB. We are speaking with Canadian science fiction author Robert J. Sawyer, one of the planet's most renowned sci-fi authors, discussing his latest book, his 23rd book, I believe, if memory serves. It's called Quantum Night. It is now available as of February 1st on paperback. A year ago it came out, and the, the hook here is that Robert J. Sawyer accurately predicted the rise of a far-right quote, psychopath coming from out of nowhere to become the American president. And Robert J. Sawyer has been talking to us this afternoon. And Mr. Sawyer, one of the things that I'm curious about when you're writing these books is when you're writing these things, do you sort of, are you sort of scared that what you're writing could actually happen? For example, if the book sort of, if uh, fiction becomes reality in the sense that The president decides to invade Canada. Yes, indeed. You know, one of the things, science fiction isn't about predicting the future. It's about predicting a smorgasbord of futures so that the public can look and say, oh, you know, that one looks really nice. If we do this, maybe the world will be a better place. Oh, my God, that one over there, that's horrific. We better stop doing this lest that be the one that comes true. And so whenever we write uh, a cautionary tale, such as Quantum Night, my new novel, uh, we're hoping that people will say, oh, wait a minute. Now, unfortunately, my novel (laughs) came 
came out in hardcover a year ago when the election in the United States was six or seven months later. Uh, and I did not have the effect I'd hoped to have, which was to prevent uh, the rise of a far-right authoritarian to uh, the presidency. And, you know, science fiction, as much as we like to think we're helping guide society ahead, we most often end up being like the uh, uh, Greek Cassandra, uh, never listened to. Our prophecies are accurate, but only paid attention to after it's too late to do anything about them. It's no coincidence, I think, that the number one best-selling novel in the United States right now, as of uh, last week anyways, was George Orwell's 1984. Now, that was written in 1948 when fascism and right-wing authoritarianism was sweeping uh, you know, through Europe and the Soviet Union was rising as a, a world power. Uh, um, and it was paid no attention to in 1948, not paid any attention to enough to deflect things in 1984, its titular year. And here it is, 2017. And now people are going, oh, gee, maybe we should have paid attention to this stuff. Science fiction has the unfortunate history of getting it right and people not realizing that we, hey, told you so in advance. It's sort of like a lot of guys will look at the instructions halfway through the process of putting the IKEA furniture together. <laughs> we don't really look at the instructions until something's gone wrong inexplicably, exactly. right? Exactly right, yes. <laughs> and science fiction, not just my work, but the whole field of science fiction has this history of saying, yeah, you know, uh, you want to talk about self-driving cars, you want to talk about environmental degradation, you want to talk about overpopulation, you want to talk about any of these things that we all fret about today. You know, we were kind of there 50 years ago or 100 years ago in many of those instances. In fact, 200 years from next year is the anniversary of the, uh, of, uh, the birth of science fiction. First science fiction novel was Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. And since we're talking uh, on Winnipeg CJOB here, I'll just mention that I've agreed to co-chair a conference at the University of Winnipeg next year for the 200th anniversary of the birth of science fiction, along with uh, Dr. James Christie, who was uh, now the Emeritus Chair of Theology there. Now, you describe yourself as a futurist, which I think is a really cool title. I like that. And this whole idea of life imitating art and vice versa, I'm hoping another prediction, another scenario that you write about in this book, Quantum Night, comes to fruition because I'm a Winnipeg Jets fan. <laughs> yes, that's right. And I predict them winning. Absolutely. Um, you know, and of course, it's great that they win. And then it's kind of uh, unfortunate that there's a, um, a riot that ensues afterwards in Winnipeg that starts to spill out to be echoed in other cities around the globe. And one of the funny things, funny in a not humorous sense, is that more often than not, uh, riots following big sporting events thankfully we didn't have them after the Super Bowl yesterday, uh, is in the winning team's hometown, not mm -hmm. the losing team's hometown, uh, where they begin. But yes, I would love to see the Jets come to fruition. And you know, I set the novel in Winnipeg very deliberately. The Jets have a military jet, as you know, as their logo. And Winnipeg and environs have an enormous Mennonite population, the world's most pacifist population. And the juxtaposition of those things uh, is one of the symbolic reasons for setting in Winnipeg. Another symbolic reason for Winnipeg is it's at the forks of, uh, of the two great rivers, right, in the Assiniboine. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the notion that uh, 
there are two possible paths you could go down from Winnipeg is also two possible futures, a positive one and a negative one. Robert, before uh, we we're, I mean, we have still a couple of minutes left here, but I have to ask you, I need to veer off of Quantum Night for a moment because I do remember watching the television show. One of your, the many books that you've written is Flash Forward, which was adapted into a television series for one season on ABC. I, I quite liked the show. What did you think of it? I liked it a great deal, and I was one of the writers on the show, and I spent as much time as I could in Los Angeles when it was being made. It was made at uh, ABC Studios, which is owned by Disney. Big production. They spent a lot of money. I thought they did a spectacularly good job with it. And I just actually came back last week, a week ago today. I was in Los Angeles meeting with various people trying to set up another television adaptation. Uh, You know, some authors don't like it when their work is adapted because they change things. But I'm not precious about it. If somebody has a better idea for what's going to work on video or film than what I can do on the printed page, go for it. You've got to write for the medium. You know, you do your radio interviews differently than you would do a TV interview. You do a TV interview differently than you do a print interview. You have to adapt to the medium. And I'm all on board with that. Robert, I promised I would ask you about your experience of presenting at Google headquarters. What was that all about? Yes, the Google headquarters called the Googleplex, that's the name of it. Uh, they invited, it was really flattering, the hundred brightest people they could find, they called it. And I was lucky enough to be one of them to come uh, one summer and just give talks on whatever fascinated us on the general principle that Google people and and others who might attend from the public would be edified by it. And I thought, well, I'm at Google, and this was 10 years ago, I'm at Google, I'm going to talk about artificial intelligence, because if there's any company that's going to actually make it happen, it probably is Google. And there are a lot of moral and ethical issues that we as science fiction writers have been thinking about literally for uh, almost a century now that aren't always front of mind of programmers, developers, and, and entrepreneurs. And I took great pride in being able to raise some of those issues and have, you know, uh, literally uh, have Sergey Brin from Google, co-founder of Google, in the audience when I was giving my talk. Robert J. Sawyer, we have to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us today. Robert J. Sawyer is a Canadian science fiction author. He is an award winner. And his latest book, Quantum Night, now available on paperback. Once again, it's about the prediction of a far-right president coming out of nowhere. So that's sort of like what's happening right now. Mackling and McGarry, the news is up next. Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB.